more than one sheet. Teaching sheets. <laughs> so get ready. I am so grateful to the Lord for his goodness to us and for allowing us the privilege of being able to walk in his word. And I, I feel like this message this morning has been directed by the Father as somewhat of a, um, not necessarily a warning, because it's not, it's not, it's not really in that vein. It's more of a reminder of um, what it is that is really happening in the spirit realm and what it is that we as pneumaticos people who are in this world but not of it need to have as our operative viewpoint. Because the Bible gives answers for things that... Um, that happen in life. And um, I was, uh, can, can you give one to, De you have one? Who needs one? Give one to Ava. There you go. I'm just kind of, this is kind of like a sermon filibuster because I know anything I've said in the last five minutes while well, two little girls are passing sheets out, nobody heard. So, <laughs> so we'll just wait. <clears throat> I picked up a, a book that that um, was that came out from this house called Princes of the Dark Realm, and I remember writing large portions of it during the early some of the early days of travel in in France. I remember writing one chapter uh, in a in an upstairs of uh, the pastor's house, and that room was so hot. I mean, it was just hot. And I was sitting there with my little laptop, and it was just like the, the words were just flooding onto the, onto the screen. And that, I, that book on um, the, enemy, um, the enemy princes that the Bible speaks about who fell uh, was one of the easiest books I've ever had to deal with because I, I knew that it was the Father that was saying these things, and it was, um, he was just pointing out the Scripture. And um, so any other of the books, any of the other materials have been things that we've had to walk through, things that we have learned in our intercession and through the Spirit training. And, you know, you, you have to birth those things, and you have to travail in the understanding and the reception and then the conveying of it. But something like this topic, um, there, is, there is really no way that we, could, um, that we could say we travailed through any of it. <laughs> it's the Father showing through his word things that happened long ago, and it's just more of, a, of an historical record um, now, I'm very grateful for that, but I, I picked that book up the other day and read about the Antichrist and the Belial influence, 
And I was really amazed as I was reading because uh, it, it pretty much describes what we're seeing spill out all over our nation and all over the world today. Just the characterizations, the descriptions from the Word of what these influences did in the, in the record of the Old and New Testaments. And, um, and what, what we're seeing now is not only the personification of it, but the, um, but the enemy really coming full force, not upon a people, not upon a, a group, but upon the nations. And so I felt very strongly that we needed to go back through some of the scriptures that really describe the day we're living in. And so that we can be prepared as we pray, so that we're not caught off guard, so that we don't look at things and say, I can't believe that's happening. Well, I can't believe. I can't believe it. That, that's, just, that's just a fait accompli. For me, I can't believe the things I'm seeing. But I sure can see them in the Scripture. And it's very clear. And so I want us to begin by reading a passage uh, an extended passage uh, in 1 John 2, verses 18 through 27. Part of this was read earlier, but it is as it were written today. Uh, and here we go. Little children, it is the last time. And by that, a lot of people get confused about that. They say, well, well, that must not be very anointed. That was 2,000 years ago. I mean, it's not the last time. Look, that was 2,000 years ago. How could that be the last time? We can't believe any of that. Um, but really, the nomenclature of that is we've entered into an epoch now that is going to play itself out. And, um, you know, there's not another epoch coming. You know, there's not going to be another Jesus coming where you've got the old covenant, the new covenant, and the new or the new covenant. You know, none of that's going to happen. So John is saying what you got is what's going to play out. So it is the last time. And... And in the days of the early church, of course, this was written later, decades later, but John was in the center of, of things that happened. And um, so he could talk about the influence of how the Antichrist tried to destroy the early church. And we have had lots of um, entanglements and battles with this influence. Uh, over the years, um, and we tried to apply the principles that we're talking about today years ago as the saints' uh, identity was being formed in us. Uh, there were so many of these things that happened just in this house and in so many of the houses of the saints. And that's why I said early on, a few years ago, my goodness, when I hear the things that I'm hearing, when I hear the media say this, when I watch this, and I, it is so reminiscent of things that we faced. And why that is, is the Antichrist influence is, um, is, it has, been, has been laboring against every move of, of God. And Belial in the Old Testament labored against every move of God. And so as, as the Almighty is releasing what he's doing in these days that are climactic, this influence is moving on 
a, an, a national and an international scale in ways that are amazing to me. But it's not unfamiliar, and it shouldn't be unfamiliar to you. So the things that we're going to be looking at here, you need to, you need to nestle them away in your heart because the one, thing we can, the one thing we can rely upon is the Word. And it, it speaks. And so hide that in your heart and view everything that you, that you see through the reflection of the Scripture. So when John says, little children, it is the last time, he's really speaking for us as well. You have heard that Antichrist shall come, and even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because <clears throat> you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denies the Son, the same does not have the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain on you, you shall also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he's promised us, even eternal life. These things I write, have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you, have, you need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing will teach you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you abide in him. And then let's look at what John says two chapters later in 1 John 4, verses 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Many false prophets are gone out into the world, but hereby you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. What? A, um, what a collection of descriptives under the anointing of the Spirit. And um, I, I wanted to just touch on some of the things, and I bullet pointed them for you there, that John says. You look at it. There's an anti-Christ. There is the denying of the Father and of the Son. It comes out from the church. What you have known is to be jettisoned. Other opinions are to be embraced, and they seduce or bring an ulterior path. A denial that Jesus came in the flesh. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But 
we've faced every one of these over the past couple of years, and it's been subtle. Um, it, it's almost innocuous, you know? And I've watched it permeate the Saints Network, and we have put up warnings of the truth. And, um, you know, this past week, <clears throat> I was really blessed to be able to talk to someone that I hadn't talked with in a long, long time. And uh, without going into detail, this person had been swept away by a number of other, with another, uh, another, swept away with a, with a group of other ones and had finally been able to escape. And I rejoiced with this person that, that the enemy was not able to continue to ensnare but it's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing to see how the spirit of delusion is really working on all levels of, of, our, of our world. And um, John is writing here about this Antichrist influence. And we will be looking at the comparison, which we did many years ago, between what the Bible says about Belial and what the Bible says about Antichrist. And we lined them up in charts and showed that it's basically, in the Scripture, the same warnings and the same antidotes, the same preventatives. So that's why we, um, we really compared those two. But there's a lot of Belial influence sweeping through this country, and it is, it is Antichrist. And um, they may not be holding up signs that say we're following the Antichrist, but that's the operative movement. And its desire is to stop those that are moving in sonship and to create their own version of it. Um, you deny the Father and the Son. There are entire doctrinal formats that have questioned whether there is such a thing as the Father, whether there is such a thing as the Trinity, and it's old as Gnosticism, but if you mention that today, nobody in, nobody in mainstream America knows what Gnosticism is, but they all, they all know progressive Christianity, and they all know, you know this father over here who's preaching this nonsense, and they know this, and there's a delusion, and they believe it, and they're saying things like, God is, you know, he's, there's no father, and that... Um, you know, I, I could regale all kinds of crazy things that are out there that people are just believing. But the essence of it is, is that it is coming against how Jesus came to present himself. He did the will of the Father. He prayed to the Father. The Holy Ghost is not Jesus' mother. Um, but the Holy Ghost is the impetus, the, the power of the ways of God. And that's why the Trinity is there. We serve our Father. We are His sons, and we do so in the power of His ways or the invigoration of His Spirit. However, He desires to communicate that biblically. But all these other things are basically designed to destroy what that says in the Scripture. And how long has it been that God has been trying to develop us in the Scripture and in our relationship with our Lord Jesus and with the Father and to understand, as Moses did, the ways of God. 
How long has God been trying to, to, uh, to establish that? That is what the enemy hates. He, he wants to destroy what Christ is. And we've already had references to that all morning from Sunday school through the earlier part of the, of the transition, and those were great. But really, in essence, what it is is how do you relate to the Father have you received what he's asking you to do on behalf of the scripture? Have you received his anointing for that? And are you representing that? That essentially is what being Christ-like is. And you say, well, there was only one Christ. Well, then why do we call ourselves Christian? We're to be Christ-like. We're to be joint heirs with Christ. There was only one sacrifice. There's only one Lord. But we are to be like him. And so... We must go before our Father. We must labor in intercession with our Lord Jesus. We must move in accordance with obedience to His Spirit and through the power of His Spirit. We must move on behalf of the Word. And if any of that is corrupted, that is Antichrist. Because that is the power of God that, that Jesus came to redeem. And the enemy hates that, which is why he says that Jesus did not come in the flesh. You know, there's so many other things that are being believed by the church right down the street here and a number of other churches that were born in the power of the, of the Holy Ghost revival. And they're, they're saying now, and it's in their mantra, that, you know, it really wasn't Jesus that came. See, none of this stuff is new, but it's new today. It's like they've opened a can and they said, wow, look what we have. Woohoo! And it's just demonic. It's doctrines of demons. Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. When he hung on the cross, he was just a personification. And, you know, he just didn't really, he didn't really ever die. And there is no hell. There is, there's, no, there's no real accountability. You know, you don't need to be born again because whatever, whatever ethereal being did sacrifice on the cross, well, everybody's saved. And what kind of a God would judge someone, you know? What kind of a God would say, well, you didn't accept me, so you're for eternity? What kind of a God is that? That's what's out there. So basically, all the roots and all the foundations of what the Scripture says, this Antichrist influence is fomenting, and people are believing it. And they're departing from the faith, and they're, they're, uh, they're teaching it as if it's true. They have jettisoned what they've learned. And, you know, this is what we just read this. We just read this. Um, and they, whether they deconstruct with honor or not, it's jettisoning the foundation of what you believe. And it's gradual. And it's just like taking a little bit here, a little bit there, and pretty soon the whole house caves in. And this is what the enemy's strategy is. Um, you know, it's kind of like the, the idea of the Supreme Court. Well, we've got nine justices. You just wait till we get elected. We're going to add about ten more so we can dumb that down. Well, you know, see, we don't believe the Scripture, some of them say, and there are other words that are equal to the Scripture. And so we could just bring those in, and before you know it, that becomes your diorama of faith. And really, the Antichrist is, is gathering up bits and pieces of other false anointings, and it covers itself with that. And then it presents the, 
the, the cosmic Christ, where it's all Christ. And there are people with many degrees behind their names who are deceived and are believing that. They're believing that. They talk about oneness. And it's not from the aspect of being in one accord or the one new man. It's about being one with the world. It's about being one with Buddhism and Hinduism. They all have something to say. How dare you, saints, stick just with the Bible? There are other teachings out there, and we want to hear them. We want to have the right to speak them. You're being restrictive. We can't trust the King James. It's Calvinistic. It separates people, and dare we say, it's racist. So we can't trust that. We've got to get rid of it. Do you think I'm just barking up a tree? This is mainstream doctrine. Whether you've buried your head in the sand and say, oh, I don't want to hear any of that, it's going on all around you. And so we've got to wake up to it. And what's our answer? We double down in serving our Father. There's no point in arguing with people. If they're under delusion, it's like arguing with a drunk person. Why wear yourself out? Only the Holy Ghost can break that nonsense off. And I believe that he does have that for us. See, when you start calling things by what they are, then it breaks. If you're just nebulous, swinging at every branch and every wind of doctrine, you're going to not accomplish anything other than to let the enemy fulfill what the book of Daniel said. The saints are going to be worn out. How are the saints worn out? Probably because you're not directing your energies in a pneumonicos, knowledgeably scriptural way. Yes, you're going to have to travail. Yes, you're going to have to wrestle. The Bible speaks of that. But do it wisely. If you argue with a fool, you've, you've done nothing. You know, Paul said, look, I'm not going to come and have uh, vain babblings. I'm not going to argue with, with uh, nonsense, because you can never win in nonsense. People don't want to hear the truth if they think they've got their own truth. Your truth is just another one. It's a dime a dozen. But how much do we believe in what God has said? Well, all of these things that John has listed, and I just didn't pick these off CNN. These are things that were just said in 1 John. It's easy to do that, but this is things that are said in 1 John and in other passages. And, you know, what does it mean that Jesus, uh, you know, he that denies that Jesus came in the flesh? It's that we're supposed to be living as, in what that same pattern, that same example. He came to die as a man so that we might be redeemed to God. And we live those principles, and we pray and intercede with him now. He is with us. He's our elder brother. But if you dumb down the cross, and you say that it is a symbol of oppression, then, you know, you're denying Christ. You are. You are. And I don't care how much love you have. You're denying the one who gave the most perfect example of love, that can ever be offered. The only one who could do it. So, this, anytime you hear the cosmic Christ, think antichrist. Because that's what it is. 
no matter how dolled up it is, no matter how well written it is, no matter how much woven in false anointings get you to say, yes, and then poison is injected on the next page. When you hear that word, you think Antichrist because that's what it is. Jesus is Lord of all, but he sure is whatever, ain't cosmic. Antichrist. And it's leading people down the trail of damnation and destruction. Um, I, I heard from somebody that, the person I talked to this week, that one of the main themes that's being taught right now, and it's not just in one church, it's just flowing in the wind, that God really isn't in control. God doesn't, God doesn't uh, concern himself, whoever he may be, with what's going on today. And anybody who is really praying is wasting their time because he, literally they're saying he is not in control. Which is why I gave a word sitting right here about how that God is in control the other day. And we just need to wake up to this. Oh, I shouldn't mention these things. Why not? If there was a, if there was a road that was washed out up ahead and you saw three cars go over, I don't want to be critical of that road. What would the people who built it think? Don't warn anybody. Don't tell them the road's out. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. So we can do as we want. Whatever you want to do. Because there's no God. There's no control. He's everywhere. You know, there are many roads that lead to God. That's, that's not right but it's believed by so many so get rid of what you've been taught welcome all kinds of other teachers believe that everybody's going going to live a life in heaven uh, no matter what they've done or what they believe whether they accept christ or not you know we don't really know the father and we we can't know let's you know and that's one of the planks of a of the current political agenda is to destroy what they call the westward the westward westward western patriarchal structure of the family which basically says you don't need to father you don't need to father you don't need to father in your home you don't need any kind of male influence because it's really oppressive we just all get along as a big village just all smoking the weed together and we'll just, we'll just move along. And what's that really saying? Get rid of that. I don't believe in the Father. Because if I don't believe that, that, that God put the family together the way it is here, I don't really believe that there's a Father in heaven. You know, last week I listened to an interview with a really brilliant African-American scholar named Thomas Sowell. He's older now, but he's still as sharp as a tack. He was very active in the civil rights movement in the 60s, and he's writing some real powerful words for today. But he said, he said, I look at what's happening today. And he said, the old adage is, if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The new adage is, if it ain't broke, let's break it. And that's what's going on today. Just look around you. So... This is Antichrist. So this isn't a political diatribe. 
I'm just saying this is the operative influence because it wants to destroy at heart. It doesn't care about governments on the earth. It wants to destroy this mindset of God. The undeniable connection, page two, between what the Bible calls Belial and, I don't know who a nit Christ is, uh, Antichrist. <clears throat> you know, I, just, a, just a public service announcement, okay? Those of you who have Apple computers, be very careful if you have word search. Don't download the latest upgrade on Apple because it will render word search inoperative. And word search says they're laboring. They hope to have a patch or a fix this week. But I started, I, I just automatic downloaded yesterday, and all of a sudden my word search wouldn't work, which is kind of rough when you're trying to pull scriptures and do things like that. So I typed out Jude 16 through 23 on my own, and I pasted other things. So just a word of warning. This is a public service announcement. If you have Apple, wait before you download that upgrade because it will screw up your Bible program. So wait till the patch is done. They say it should be this week. So anyway, I was working, trying to figure out how to do this, and I typoed Anit Christ. Belial, 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty." So, <laughs> that's it's just powerful just reading it. Let's look at Jude, verse 16. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. Their mouth speaks great swelling words, having men's person in admiration because of advantage. In other words, they'll say whatever they can to move up the ladder. But, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Of some have compassion, making a difference. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. We're beginning to see some of that latter part right now. But this is what we're facing. And, you know, there are some who say, I've got to separate. Iniquity has come to them. And, you know, the enemy has triggered them. And they... They, they got woke to all the things that this terrible man up here and many of you have done to them. And so they separate themselves. 
This is what Jude says. But we really should be separating ourselves from evil and from wickedness. And don't go near it because in the Old Testament, you have really comparative restrictions between Belial and Antichrist. Deuteronomy 13.13 says that the Belial comes out from you and you should burn it with fire. Nahum 1.11, it came out from you. You should burn it as the stubble. 2 Samuel 23, verse 6, they are thorns. They should be fenced with iron. You should use a spear, which is your covenant authority, to separate from them and burn them with fire. You don't fellowship with things you're burning with fire. You don't. And you have to guard over them. You know, at the time when people are safe distancing and wearing masks and washing your hands and sanitizing, do all those things. Those are good cautions. But how much more should we safeguard ourselves from this wicked, demonic influence that is ravaging our nation? Of course, you remember the story of Belial. There's a lot of passages that speak about how it, how it moved in the Old Testament. You know, you know I just mentioned, here's the ultimate cancel culture. Nahum 111, wicked counselors. Psalm 41.8, these are all things attributed to Belial. Whisperers, accusing familiar friends. Psalm 101, verses 3 through 8, slandering and to keep truth from your eyes. Proverbs 19.28, devouring iniquity with their mouth. Proverbs 16.27, digging up evil, destroying neighbors, and separating chief friends. That's Belial. That's Antichrist. Do you see any of that going on today? Unless you're absolutely living in a hole in the ground, seeing sunlight for one minute a day, you have to be aware that this is rampant around the world. And believe me, the enemy's not going to pull back from this. His ultimate objective is to destroy you and to destroy churches and to destroy godly people. And so what was happening now, he's trying to saturate the atmosphere with this mindset to become a programmed response, and in the meantime, hammering away at the foundational pegs that you and I, as Americans, and I'm speaking here in the United States today, have seen generations build up of all colors. You know, I, I heard a heart-rending story. No, it wasn't a story. It was an interview yesterday. And there was a police, I don't know whether he was a lieutenant or sergeant from the Portland Police Department, really nice-looking African-American guy. And he was, he was giving a, a testimony about what some, of the, what some of the protests up in Portland are. And he said, I stood there with a great number of my African-American brothers and sisters, Americans all, who had committed ourselves to protect the, the peace and property. And across from me were basically anarchists, most of them white people, who were layering all kinds of racial slurs against us and saying all kinds of wicked things. This is not about white or black. Yes, there needs to be some reform. Yes, we should always be getting 
better and better. It's not about, it's not about any other thing but what you see moving toward hurtling toward the very end. It's, it's amazing. And I, I remember, I'm getting ahead of myself, one of the most famous stories about Belial in the Bible. It was in Judges 19 and 20, a time when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Sound like we're living that today? And that story about those wicked men of Belial that abused the Levites' concubine, even that whole story is crazy. You want to talk about the family being destroyed. Here you have a Levite just traveling around with a concubine, not going to marry her, just going to hang around with her. She whiz. Of course, that's modern day. And you, you know this story. I'm not going to go through all the details, but you had angry mobs beaten at the door of the house, which sounds very much like what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember all those, those Belial men that were banging on the door saying, bring out those angels to us, and the great and holy lot says, you know what, i got a couple of daughters here, why don't you have them? Same thing happened in Judges. The man that the mob surrounded said, you know what, take my daughter, please. Take her. Who does that? Can any, any man or woman in this room even contemplate sending your daughter out to a mob? Who That's the highest form of delusion. Now, sometimes depending on the daughter. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. But the point is, though, that they end up, this Levite ends up hacking this woman to pieces, this is gross, and sending body parts all over to the tribes. So the tribes come together and they say, okay, we want to get to the bottom of this. What happened? And Gilead was the, the center point, And the tribe of Benjamin were the ones that were harboring and men of Belial and Benjamin stood up and said, yes, this was a carnage. Or I don't even know that they, uh, that they said it was. But you ain't getting our guys. We're not giving them up. Well, you know, we're, we've got autonomy here. The rest of you tribes, just tend to your own business. We're going to do what we want to do. You get out. Does that sound familiar? Take a peek at Seattle. Take a peek at Portland. Take a look at New York City. You've been watching any clips of what's been going on there? How about Chicago? Murder rates. There's probably going to be 60, 70 people murdered this weekend in Chicago. Murdered. And that's a fraction of the people that are shot. Oh, don't come in here. You mind your own business. You stay away from us. You federal people, you just stay in your building. We'll shoot fireworks at it and yell at you and paint graffiti all over the walls, but you stay in there. Your presence here is causing problems when for the last 50 days there's been anarchy in the streets. Does this sound like Belial to you? Does this sound anything at all like what happened in the book of Judges? Well, yeah, sure does. Whatever happened to, you know, we would watch or read books way back when. 
There was the old story about how this cattle baron had a son that was just tearing up Jack. He was just a bat. Maybe that was his name, tearing up Jack. My name is tearing up Jack. And, you know, everybody in the community knew it, but they couldn't do anything about it because his daddy had him up there on the, on the Ponderosa. Not the Ponderosa, but some big spread of land. Books and movies written about that. I don't know how many movies John Wayne made with that same premise. And John would go up and say, that's enough. But, you know, the thing is, is that we all know that's wrong. But in this atmosphere, you defend the wrong. Now, you say, well, you're picking on cities. You're getting political. I'm talking about something that's spreading across this country. And it's a belial influence. It is slandering. It's digging up evil. It's separating people. It's feeding the worst iniquities that... that men and women can, can let grow in their lives. It's an antichrist influence. And it, it has worked against the church. I mean, look at movements. Look at denominations that have been split wide open by this same thing. Just in the past few years, the enemy is really mobilized. So we need to be careful to recognize this is what it is. Oh, I know, it can really make you angry. But the heart of it is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and rulers of the darkness of this world, wickedness in high places. We need to know that this is an operative influence. And I, I firmly believe that the enemy has concocted some some ways that he is reserved for this hour that are new. I warned you about this a few month, couple of months ago. I talked about how there would be in, in my prayer or before I'd get ready for ministry, I would sense an influence come and it would be almost inebriating. And before you know it, you're just, it's like shooting steroids into places in your life that, that, that you didn't even know were a problem and you become agitated and irritated and you know then the, the solution is you stand on what you know you are in the Lord and you cause not your mouth to sin and you pray and you rebuke the enemy that's what Judas faced when he dipped his hand in the bowl of sop and he would not submit to the Lord and the enemy took over this is happening just Two days ago, I was here early in the morning. It was a wonderful time. I'd been walking out in the parking lot praying before I came in here to pray. And as soon as I got back into my office, it was like something came against me. And I started being angry for no reason. I just started to feel just terrible things. And immediately I recognized this influence is back. I didn't see anything. It's clandestine. It's really it's really subterfuged. But I prayed in the Spirit. I got on my face. I declared the blood of Jesus. I began to sing praise, and the thing went away. I don't know what a person who is not born again does when this thing comes. Now, they should know better, but it's, it's a crazy thing. It is a spirit of delusion. The Bible says lawlessness. The man of lawlessness, anomia, we're seeing it. A strong delusion God will give to people who want it. We're seeing it. 
So why am I saying this? Not to lambast people, but to warn you. We as saints need to recognize this is what is happening in the realm. And we better, we better stand fast on what we believe. You've see, you can see Belial influence specifically characterized in the scriptures. And again, it does perfectly align with the warnings about Antichrist. Look in uh, Corruptors of Religion, 1 Samuel 2.12, the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were sons of Belial. We used to call them SOBs. And, you know, there, there it is, sons of Belial. Save you some writing, just a nice acronym. And they did not know Yahweh, which is why Shiloh was going downhill. And this was the environment that Samuel was inserted into. But the sons of Belial were running that place. They got the Weisenheimer idea to, uh, did I have any Germans by saying that? Weisenheimer? Um, got to be careful. I don't want to trigger anybody. Um, but they got the idea, let's bring out the ark. And the whole story of Ichabod and Eli falling over backwards and breaking his neck. Sons of Belial are, 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 not, are not welcome in the things of the Spirit. We cannot have fellowship with it, but it sure was there. Withstanding a kingly anointing, 1 Samuel 10. Samuel, he anointed Saul as king. Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom, wrote it in a book, laid it up before Yahweh. Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house, and Saul also went home to Gibeah. We just talked about Gibeah. And there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. I don't know if they were playing 76 trombones or what, you know? No, it's a band of men. It was the soldiers, strong men. But the children of Belial said, how shall this man save us? And they despised him, brought him no presence, but he held his peace. Maybe Saul shouldn't have held his peace. Maybe Saul should have said, this has nothing to do with presence or the lack thereof. You Belial people, I remember what you did in Gibeon, in Gibeah, in the days of the judges. You ain't doing it during my reign. So him being holding his peace here was probably not a good idea. He was the king. He could have done what he wanted to do, and he did. Self-centeredness, 1 Samuel 30, verses 21 through 22. David came to the 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David. This is when they went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from him, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Basor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them, then answered all the wicked men and the men of Belial of those that went with David and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Unbelievable. Generational bitterness and accusation. Second Samuel 16, verses 5 through 7. When King David came to Bahurim, behold, Thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shemaiah, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. He's cursing as he's coming. And he cast stones at the king and at all the servants of King David. 
And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shemaiah when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloody man, you man of Belial. Do you see that? Remember what one of David's men said, Should we go and lop the head off this guy? And David said, No, leave him alone. In that case, it wasn't as Saul who was beginning. There was an insurrection going on, and David was biding his time, knowing that God was going to turn things. But it was a, this, this guy, Shemaiah, was ticked because he didn't like the fact that David was ruling and Saul wasn't. He was of the house of Saul. He had, he had historical problems. It's interesting. We know about jo, uh, Jezebel and Ahab. 1 Kings 21.10, with Naboth's vineyard. And they set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against Naboth, saying, You did blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he, that he may die. Belial influence. This is what Jezebel looked for. Men of Belial to come and bring accusation. Now, I talked about, I got ahead of myself, I talked about Judges, the book of Judges, and the Belial-inspired ploy in Benjamin. Benjamin which is playing out in the world. So you have, um, you have all of these things that are really playing out in one way or another. Yeah, are there things that in the natural are wrong? There always will be. Does somebody maybe have a gripe, a legitimate gripe? Well, of course, everybody always has one. You know, this country is not perfect. But I can tell you from traveling the world on behalf of the Saints Network, it's the best thing out there. People from around the world clamor to come here. I've seen a lot of these nations, and I feel badly for the people who have to live in them. And to say, let's destroy this city on a hill because we don't like a lot of the things that happened in its history that we've, thank God, been able to to gradually, not as quickly as we should have, but gradually be cleansed from. Let's just destroy it all. Let's welcome anarchy. Let's welcome Marxism. Works so well in Venezuela. They can't, they can't buy toilet paper, but that's okay because they don't have the gas in the car to go to the store to buy it, if they could. Oh, yeah, socialism is great. Let's just put everybody out of work. We'll all just live together and sing Kumbaya. This is, this is what the Antichrist wants. And why does he want it? Because he can level the playing field, cause people to forget about the foundations in God, and then he can start coming after those who believe in God. And things will get so bad, so bad, that um, the Antichrist... The beast, the false prophet, will be able to do whatever they want to do. And somehow I read in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, of course, one of the damnable lies is that the book of Revelation has already happened. It's not for today. It's not for tomorrow. That's one of the things I heard was being taught in, I won't say where. When the Bible says that the sun is going to be darkened, the Bible says before that, the sun's going to lose a third of its ability to shine on the earth. What's that going to do if the world converts to solar panels? 
And when the wind isn't going to blow, which the book of Revelation, which has already happened, says is going to happen, what about those fans that blow to generate energy? See, you can see how the enemy is setting himself up for what the Bible says is going to happen. So what do we do then? This isn't a doom and gloom thing, and I'm going to finish it off now. I think you need to recognize that what we're seeing here is a personification of a lot of the enemy influence in other ways. I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how the, the iniquity that was found in Satan, that root is injustice and the feeling that you've been done wrong. That's Satan's operative drug. That's what Lucifer does. So I, there are other influences that are plainly mentioned in the Bible. But when I see this Belial thing, and I see the Antichrist, and I see it being played out, I mean, I, I can guarantee, I'm not asking you to do this, but if you pulled up an app, a news app, for somebody that's actually going to report what's going on, you can go down through the top stories on that app in about one minute and find about eight things that we've talked about here from the Scripture. So what do we do about it? Well, for one thing, we recognize it. One thing also then we do is we, we remain faithful at what God has called us to do. We continue to pray. Don't let the enemy keep you from praying in the Spirit. That's another fallacy. I heard a teaching not long ago that, you know, diverse tongues has been a great influence, but, you know, people... Uh, just know this person is somebody who speaks in diverse tongues. Well, I don't want to be known for that anymore. I want to be known for other things. <laughs> Reject the anointing. Reject the anointing and shut down that gift that's welcoming the mysteries of God. Just get rid of it so maybe you can get some other acclaim. These are not things that I'm dreaming up. These are things that are being taught and preached. So what we must do is be the light. It's what was sung about earlier. We must do what we should do. Because you know what's coming? God is going to give us a visitation before the end comes. He's going to give us light so that the harvest can be brought in. The former and the latter rain are going to come. And that's what's ahead, which is why I think that God's going to give us respite. But, you know, it's just like you think that these wicked influences are going to go away. They're not going away. One of the most odd passages in the Bible, and again, I don't see how anybody can say this has already happened, was when the Antichrist and Satan is enslaved for a thousand years, and as soon as he gets sprung out of the abyss by God, he comes after the camp of the saints, and the people on the earth will follow him as the sands of the sea. Hard to believe, isn't it? And what, what does he come to do? As soon as, if you're in jail for a thousand years, what are you thinking about? Obviously, it wasn't repentance. You're going to target the ones that mean the most to God and the ones that 
labored to put him there. And that's immediately where he goes. And what is it? The camp of the saints. So God's going to give to his people a, 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 an envelope of time where the things about the end time move that we read in the scripture are going to be played out. And then shall the end come. We work for the night is coming when no one should work. The enemy's trying to change the time. He's trying to shortchange that moment, which is why he's rising up and he's learning a lot of tactics right now. You know, not to mention too much, and it's not 1230 yet. I'm going to end at 1230, so just stick with me here. You read about how fascism rose up in Germany in the, in the 30s. And Ronald Reagan said, not in the 30s, that if fascism comes to this country, it's going to come through liberalism. That is so true. Where anybody can do what they want to do. But Hitler floated things out and he built people. and he, They sowed accusations against the Jews and against the, those that were industrialists who weren't going to play the party tune. He got thrown in jail. You thought that would be it. He gets out. And you've got an old man named Hindenburg that's been brought into power again. And basically, through the brown shirts and through all kinds of corruption, activity, riots, Hitler becomes the, the, a, a chancellor position and basically takes over the government. So these kinds of things that we're seeing now aren't going to go away. They're going to play a part in what's coming in the future. But it ain't their time yet. It's the time for the visitation that God has promised. And we need to, the best way we defeat the Antichrist spirit is being as Christ. And we spend our time seeking our Father, praying as if it really means something. Do you know that your prayers are, are, are precious incense before God? You're speaking what God is wanting to do, that all the forces of hell and a good portion of this earth are standing against. Don't let the enemy tell you that that intercession gift that God has given you is not accomplishing anything. Seek Him. Don't let days go by before you pray. It's vital for you to be on your face before God, seeking the Father. The enemy, oh, that's so weird. You know, my aunt doesn't really understand when I lay on my face. Well, what business is it of hers? You see things... In the streets, I saw a picture, I mentioned this some time ago, a month ago, in a major city in our country, about four or 500 people laying on their face. It was a picture of what's coming. It had nothing to do with George Floyd. I mean, that may have been an impetus point, but the enemy sure is riding that ticket. We need to be what God has called us to be. And we need to believe that God is going to arise as was sung and the enemy is going to be pushed back and we are following God's timetable, not the enemy's timetable. But these things we see are firmly declared in the Scripture. So don't misinterpret what they are. Pray for those who've been deceived. Only God can free them. Only God can, and I believe He wants to. I, 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 there won't be everybody. It won't be everybody. The Bible says, and we read it here in, in Jude. It says, uh, 
of some have compassion. Are we supposed to have compassion for all of them? Well, yeah. But of some, making a difference. You can't, uh, and, uh, let's read it. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire while you hate their garment that's been spotted by the flesh. Why were they in the fire? Because they put on garments that were spotted by the flesh. That's why. Garments that they didn't be, need to be wearing. You can't make somebody come out of a burning building. You can't make somebody leave delusion. Of some, show compassion. And what dictates that some? Who is willing to come? Who is willing to repent? We're seeing some of that now. But the main focus for us is to not miss this in the Word and to continue faithful in our service for the Lord and um, be as Christ-like as we possibly can be and thank, thank Him. If you see one of these characteristics that is listed here that you see played out in the media or, or just as part of what's going on in the world, give thanks to the Father for what what he's really shining that the enemy's trying to destroy. We're going to win. But don't, don't miss what the Scripture warned you about. Let's pray. Let's seek him. Let's not be ignorant. Um, the Antichrist is not going to win. But what we're seeing right now is a foretaste of what's coming upon the world. I hate to tell you that. I don't like saying that. But it's the truth. And so I bless all of you. I know this isn't a normal message where we're plucking up a scripture and saying, oh, look at this wonderful thing we've not seen. And I treasure those, believe me. Having to say this kind of message is kind of weird for me. But it's necessary. You know, I, I just believe that God's told us about this. And, get, and guess what? You faced off against this many times in the past years. You fought it in intercession. You've withstood it when the enemy tried to subtly come and take you out. So you're not, you're not green in this. You're a veteran. But just recognize that this is this same influence and be strong in it. Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might because Jesus Christ is Lord there is great revival there is great visitations of the spirit coming there are great things that God is going to do across the nations of this world we're going to see it let's pray and let's believe amen father I bless these saints I thank you for the privilege of knowing you and knowing your word. Today, Father, we focused on Jesus Christ as the message in Sunday school. We heard it throughout this day in the singing and the transition. You are our Lord. There is none other but you. Thank you for allowing us to be your followers, your younger siblings, to be like you. Help us to serve our Father in these days. 
And I speak a blessing over all of the saints, those in this room and those that are scattered around the nations. I ask that if there's a special need in their life, that you'll provide what they need. You'll send healing now in Jesus' name. And that you will bring victory. But Lord, most of all, let us have those times of commune with you where we're before your throne and we see things as you do. We love you, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. And let's keep praying. Amen.